Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the Odd Man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is The Odd Man. Living Podcast is back with another episode of that good old-fashioned audaciousness, and I'm excited as always to be here and really the goal, continue our goal of helping you live your best audacious life ever. Um, I would encourage you to keep up to speed with all things going on with us by connecting with us through our social media platforms. Ta-da! Yeah, and that way you can keep connected and we can keep that conversation going uh, and keep those positive vibes flowing. While you're at it, you might as well click on that YouTube button, that subscribe button below on our YouTube channel. And that way you'll also get the instant notifications every single time new content comes out. Okay, so now that we've got the business out of the way, I think it's time to move into today's podcast uh, where we're going to spend some time centering the conversation around self-awareness. And uh, to, help, to help facilitate that conversation uh, is today's guest, uh, Mr. Alan Stein Jr. Alan, of course, is a keynote speaker. He's an author, and he's also a basketball performance coach. Uh, this guy has worked with the top players of our gener- generation. I'm talking about guys like Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and that's just to name a few. Um it's actually particularly neat to sit down with Alan and, and chat because the last time we connected was about 10 years ago when I was doing a leadership podcast and he was also uh, in a different line of work. And it's really nice to see that he was able to take what he's done previously and, f- and, 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 and fill it into what he's doing now and help, help, help rounds out his work. Uh, he's a gifted speaker who really eloquently frames, thing, frames things nicely for us. And I think you'll really enjoy the conversation, especially that piece around uh, self-awareness, which in my mind is the first step to any sort of real or relevant change. Uh, I think the other thing about self-awareness is that it helps guide our purpose and it allows us to make the distinction between the things that are good for us and in, in terms that will get us in the direction that we want to go and the things that won't. Um, self-awareness is, is, again, it's key and that, it's that linchpin between those. And I'm going to give you an example. Uh, I spent a lot of time talking to students, uh, particularly at the post-secondary level, uh, lots of career advice uh, and some insights. And my work as a commissioner of a basketball league uh, certainly provides me some good insights. And I'm often often willing and open to share that. Well, this past week, I was talking with Serena. Hi, Serena, if you're watching or listening. Hi there. That's a shout out. <laughs> um, she, we had a conversation about internships, and she asked me whether or not she should consider taking a paid internship, a non-paid internship job. And the reason why this had come up, because some of her peers had advised her against doing it. You do not work for free was the message to her. So she wanted to hear what I thought. Now, here are the two things to keep in mind. The job was in a field that she liked and it'd be doing work that she had an interest in. So sure, she wasn't getting paid, 
But at the end of the day, it made sense because the internship ultimately aligned with her goals, her overall goals. And that's what awareness of self does. It helps us make decisions that are in line with our overall, overall purpose. So sure, on one hand, Serena isn't getting paid, but on the other hand, she's doing something that will give her the fulfillment as well as fulfilling her overall purpose. It's for this reason why the conversations and these decisions, the conversation and these decisions are so personal because it's different for each of us. To say that you should never ever do an, a non-paid internship job when that will get you and point you in the direction that you need to go isn't necessarily accurate. And that's why each of us have to make our own decision for ourselves. So now that you've got the gist of what self-awareness is and, and how it fits into our lives, I'm gonna stop talking now. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity to hear from today's guest, Mr. Alan Stein Jr. Enjoy. Alan Stein is a keynote speaker, author, and basketball performance expert who teaches audiences proven strategies to improve organizational performance, create effective leadership, and develop winning mindsets, rituals, and routines. Stein has worked with some of the highest performing athletes on the planet, including NBA superstars like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Kobe Bryant. He distills lessons from these high performers and teaches leaders how to apply them in practical everyday life. His book, Raise Your Game, is for anyone looking to improve their performance by sharing proven principles that can be implemented immediately, which in turn will help skyrocket your performance. Alan is up next on the Audacious Living Podcast. It is, and you know, Alan, I don't know if you remember, I was actually recalling, you and I probably sat down and did an interview like 10 years ago, literally. Oh, it's easily been 10 years. Yes, I, I would never forget uh, Would never forget your name, but I could not put an exact timeline. On. Yeah. We've definitely, we've definitely connected in the past. So, so and what I, I actually had to go back and remember what I was doing at that time. I think you were doing Pure Sweat and yeah. I was doing a leadership podcast. And I mean, it, it made sense to connect then. And, and it's actually really nice to kind of come full circle because here we kind of are sort of in that similar space. And uh, it's been great to sort of watch you as you continue to ascend yourself. So congratulations. Great job. Uh, well, thank you. You as well. Yeah, it is neat to see things come full circle and see how we all evolve and right. different paths. And uh, I mean, that's that's really the fun to me is the journey. That's right. No, and you're, and you're absolutely right. I think the journey is, is a big deal in all this. And the, the, the piece that we can't uh, um, forget about in terms of it, its level of importance. So of it's, been great. it's been great. I, I, so, so glad that you're here. And I specifically, uh, uh, well, first off, you know, your, your book, Phenomenal, Raise Your Game. You. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I really did. And, and i tell you why, Alan, because when I looked at sort of the, and, and it, it, the, the level of detail and the amount of work gone into it, and I sort of can appreciate some of what you'd gone in because there was a lot of interviews that you had to kind of synthesize and interwove in. And it was like you're finding that thread that made them all connect to get to you. This finished product was your book. And so when I, when I, when I read that, I really had an, an appreciation. I've kind of gone through my own sort of similar processes. So um, congrats. It was a great, great job, man. Great job. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, two things come to mind with that, and, and I appreciate your praise very much. One, you know, I, I had a wonderful co-author in John Sternfield, who he's a veteran writer. See, it's funny, even to this day, I still don't really consider myself an author or a writer. You know, I, I'll always consider myself a coach 
who had enough to say to put into a book, but it was really John's help in as far as the organization, the structure, uh, kind of making sure that there was a through line and a flow to it. Um, so he he was invaluable in in piecing it together. And then the other part, you know, I mean, let's see, I'll I'll be forty five in a week, so that means I probably started writing the book uh, at forty two. Right. So that book was really uh, drawing on forty two years of life experience and. Right one of the hardest things to do was kind of whittle down and say, okay, yes. what things in my life uh, are irrelevant and unnecessary yes. and of no value to people. And now let's really get to the good stuff. And, and that's a hard process. But then what I'm finding equally challenging now is I'm writing my second book, which is a follow-up. Yep. I don't want to repeat anything that was in Raise Your Game. Yep. Yep. Now it's like the first book I had 42 years to draw on. This book, I have a year and a half to draw. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's intimidating for a, a completely different reason. So now I have to be really intentional about pulling out all the new things that I've learned yep. since. So yep. Yep. both have been a real joy. Well, it is. And it's a journey. It's so funny to talk about this is a whittled down version because there's so much of it. It's, it's, it's contains so much. And okay. you sort of look at the different chapters, whether it's the, you know vision, coachability, discipline. There's just so, so much. And I think anyone that picks that up will we'll, we'll find some level of value depending on where they're at. Because I think it's important that we under, I, I, you know, zero in on that, that a lot of what you take from the book is determined on where you're at personally and what value you see in that. So um, so for me, I, I identify that. The two that I want to kind of zero in on us in this conversation um, uh, is, is passion, uh, which, which is one of my favorite ones. And then self-awareness, because to me, the self-awareness piece is a starting point it doesn't matter, you know, what you've done, whether you actually label as this is my moment where I become self-aware or not, that piece still exists before you to move forward. Is, is that is that a fair place to start? Oh, that's incredibly accurate. Yeah. I mean, that's why self-awareness was the first chapter. Uh, and, and I really believe that that really you can only unlock the other 14 chapters or principles or traits if you're really self-aware. And I personally view self-awareness. Uh, we we the word journey as soon as we we hit record here but i view self-awareness more as a journey than an actual destination i I think um even for those of us that have continued to evolve and become more self-actualized over time i mean i still have plenty of blind spots and i still have days where i'm not quite as self-aware as i'd like to be right and then i have other days where i feel hyper aware and hypersensitive to everything going on i'm in that flow so I, i think uh i don't play golf Uh, But I have lots of friends that play golf and I kind of equate self-awareness to golf. You know, even the best golfers in the world, they still hit bad shots. Uh, They still have a bad round. They still have a bad day occasionally. Now, the reason they're the best golfers in the world is because they do those things very rarely. And when they do hit a bad shot, they're able to quickly erase that and then make sure that their next shot course corrects and gets them right back where they need to be. And I view self-awareness in the same vein. I don't think you can really master it. Uh, from my point of view, I don't know that you can even put a flag in the ground and say, I am now fully right. self-aware. Because right. I think when you do that, you start to lose awareness. You know, it, it's kind of like health and fitness. You know, if, if I say, hey, I'm very fit, but I stop eating well and I stop working out, well, I'm not going to be fit anymore. Uh, it's something that takes daily work. And, and but, but to me, in my own life experience, it's well worth the effort uh, of doing the hard work of becoming self-aware. It's an ongoing journey. It, again, we go back to that journey word, but it's, it's non-going and it doesn't suddenly say, as you said, I'm here, ta-da, let's move on to the next thing. 
because the, and the other piece about this is we're constantly building on what we know. So, you know, you're, you're, you talked about writing the book and so that was a buildup uh, of 42 years of, of experience. Well, it didn't stop at year 40 and go, okay, I'm done. Right. You added on to it. And I think the real challenge is where do you stop? Because you can still always build and add to that. Oh, most certainly. And I hope that I never stop. You know, one of the things that I find interesting, uh, I really do believe that, you know, and I'll just use myself as an example, you know, there's my actual self right. and then there's my desired self. You know, there's, there's always going to be a small gap between who I am and who I'm trying to become. And that's actually a good thing. I always want there to be a gap. I don't ever want to be finished. Right. You know, I don't want, I don't want to be put under museum glass. I, I want to always be in pursuit of a higher level. Now, uh, I would like to believe that my actual self today is better than my actual self five years ago, because I'd, I'd like to believe I've made some progress and made some improvement, but, but it, that carrot should always be in front of me. And, you know, that gap will have uh, varying levels to it. I think there's sometimes, again, where I'm kind of in the flow, things are going and, and I'm getting closer to being who I want to be. And then there's other days, not so much, where there's some massive blind spots and I have some hiccups and that's all part of the chase and all part of the journey. So uh, I hope that I don't ever become the person that I'm trying to become because then to me, there's not much point in living once you've done that. It is. And I think that's the hazard of being comfortable, right? So when you get comfortable and you get sedentary and you're like, okay, I can coast, that's when you should be really concerned. Absolutely. And, and for the listeners, I don't want this to be confused with, with happiness and fulfillment. I'm not delaying happiness. I'm not saying that, you know, if and when I become this person, then I can finally be happy. I'm happy during the journey. I'm happy in the process. You know, I get tremendous fulfillment uh, out of my work and out of serving others and out of trying to close that gap. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, I'm going to be in pursuit of that for the remainder of my life. And that's the other part that, you know, I guess on one level uh, is incredibly exhilarating. Uh, and that is, we don't know when this show is going to be over for any one of us, you know, and we've, we've had we're coming on the heels of an incredibly challenging year. Um, and this will most likely be a challenging year as well. And we've seen a lot of things happen that should remind us of the fact that we don't know how much time we have on this earth. And, you know, at, at 45 years old, I'm probably into the third quarter of my life. I mean, statistically, uh, you know, males live to about 80, 85. So I'm already in the second half. And, but I know that that time is not promised. There's nothing that says I'm guaranteed another 40 years to keep up this pursuit, which is even more important to, to every single day, keep making sure you're taking a few steps forward because you never know which one's going to be your last. And I don't say that from a morbid point of view right. or pessimistic point of view. It's the, in fact, it's the exact opposite. You know, I want to make today the best that I'm capable of because I don't know how many more that I have. That's right. And, and, and I think I'm glad that you raised that point as to what this, what, you know, when you put it in context, because even when we talk about our, our, our legacy and the impact that we have, we don't really know. And we may never come to full realization of that. So as long as I'm here today, what, you know, what, what am I doing? How am I going to make today great? As we've often heard a number of individuals sort of talk about, you know, what are we doing for today? And so I think that's what you're really hitting home on. And one of the, the things that I use, so as I mentioned, I know that time's not promised, but what I find is something very helpful for me in closing that gap between who I am and who I want to be. You know, I've got great clarity on who I want to be 10 years from now, 
20 years from now, 30 years from now. And that is, you know, uh, let's just say 20 years. So who do I want the 65 year old Alan to be? Well, I want the 65 year old Alan to be physically, mentally, and emotionally fit. Uh, I want the 65 year old Alan to have a very deep connection with his children and his family and his friends. Uh, I want the 65 year old Alan to be doing what he considers meaningful work in service of other people. So that's, that's who I want to become in 20 years from now. So right now in the day to day, my goal is to make sure that every decision that I make is in alignment with becoming that guy from what I eat for breakfast to who I follow on Instagram to what I watch on Netflix. I want it to be in alignment with becoming that guy. And that's the question that I ask myself, you know, is, is this meal going to take me closer to being a fit 60 year old, or is it going to take me further away? And I don't aim for perfection, which I'm lucky because I'm far from it. Um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not batting a thousand, but if most of the decisions I make are in alignment with becoming that guy, then there's a very good chance when I'm 60, uh, I'll, I'll be a resemblance of that person. And, and at that point, no one should be surprised or shocked uh, because I'm telling you right now, I'm designing my own future based on the decisions that I make today. And, and one of the calibration tools that I use personally is every night before I go to bed, I, I basically say to myself, you know, Alan, you just traded 24 hours of your life for what the progress that you made today. Do you feel good about that trade? And, and if I can rest my eyes at night saying, you know what, I feel good about the trade I made today, then I know that I'm on the right path. Uh, and that's one of the most important things that I want anyone listening or watching this. Don't worry about where you are today. Worry more about the direction at which you're headed. As long as your arrow is pointing up, even if it's at a very gradual level, that's what's most important because it's so easy for us to get stuck where we are and say, I'm not happy with where I am. I'm not happy who I am. I'm not happy with who I'm with. I'm not happy with what I'm doing. And, and although that, that certainly is not a great feeling to have, just know that you can start to make little changes to improve every one of those areas the moment you decide to make those changes. And uh, the, the progress may be slower than you'd like. We all need to exercise some patience. But to me, as long as my arrow is always pointed up, then I, I feel like I'm going in the right direction. And, and, and as you're talking about this, I, I mean, I echo all of what you're saying, and I, and I absolutely agree with you. I, I, I can't help but, you know, the, 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 the progress piece is where we have to give ourselves credit. So, you know, we look at that, again, that inclining up, the analogy that you gave, right? As long as we're moving in that direction, we're giving ourselves credit for the progress that we're made as opposed to, because as we talked about earlier, we never really arrive anywhere because right. it's a constant journey. So, right. So again, when you're going in an upwards direction, then I think you're on the right path. And, and, oh, absolutely. And we have to remember that every step actually matters. Yes. You know, what this meal, it matters. You know, whether or not you decide to read this book or do this workout or listen to this podcast, each and every one of those decisions matters. And each one will either take you a little bit closer to where you're trying to go or will take you a little bit further away. And and uh, I can't stress enough. This is not about perfection. You know, I, I make a handful of decisions every day that are not in perfect alignment. Uh, with with that decision and and but but what's most important is that I own those decisions you know if, if I'm with my sons and they say hey dad you want to go get pizza and and I know that that'd be a fun you know time to connect with my children I do love pizza it's delicious uh, I'm not saying that eating pizza is necessarily in alignment with being a fit 60 year old but that's an example of one where 
uh, that's okay. I'm okay making this temporary decision that maybe not might not be in alignment. Uh, or another one would be, you know, I, I'm a huge believer that that sleep, quality sleep, is a major key to our longevity and our vitality. That I know that if I want to be a healthy and fit 65 year old, I need to get quality sleep as often as possible. But occasionally something will come up that you're willing to sacrifice your sleep for just for that night. Uh, maybe you stay up late hanging out with some friends or you're, you're, you're loving this documentary series you're watching and you decide to binge a couple more episodes. You know, as long as you're in control of those decisions and you acknowledge that, yeah, this decision might not be in alignment, but temporarily I'm okay with that because I'm not striving for perfection. Right. Right. That's what's most important. Uh, where people really get off the rails is when they don't realize that the decisions they're making every day are taking them in the wrong direction. And that's where the self-awareness piece comes yeah. back. Yeah. You know, most, most of the decisions I make that are not in alignment with becoming who I want to become, I'm fully aware of them. Yep. And I'm willing to, to sign on the dotted line saying, I'm okay with making this choice in yep. this moment. I just don't do it all of the time. Right, 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 right. The, the, the last piece on self-awareness I, 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 wanna, I, wanna, I wanna touch on uh, is the work that you've done. You know, you, you've been fortunate to work with some incredible basketball players, uh, some of the best of our generation. Uh, and uh, that whole, so when we talk about self-awareness, I think what's, what really stands out to me is the self-awareness that they had guys like you know, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, at such a young age. Uh, when I think of when I was 16 and 17 year old, I, I didn't have that sort of awareness to go, well, this is a, these are the things that I need to do. And I think that's what makes their stories so remarkable. Oh, right on. And, and, and I'm very similar to you. I most certainly did not have very much awareness in my teens. And, and unfortunately, I didn't have very much awareness during most of my 20s. Uh, I was a little bit of a late bloomer. Uh, it really got into my, my early 30s before I started to see that light. And yeah, that is one of the traits that makes those players so remarkable. And at their age, I, I don't necessarily think self-awareness came natural to them. But what they did a great job doing and their families did a great job doing was insulating themselves uh, with people that really cared about them for the right reasons and people that were willing to hold them accountable and help them heighten their self-awareness. You know, one of the interesting parts about the term self-awareness is the way that you heighten it is by getting the perspective of outside people because they're the only ones that can see the things you can't see uh, and will tell you the things that you need to hear. So one of the ways that we can get more self-aware is by asking the people closest to us um, for their evaluation and their feedback and their opinion because we need to make sure there's alignment between the way we see ourselves and the way the world sees us. Right. And this is not about trying to pander for somebody's affection or attention. This is basically saying, you know, uh, I evaluate myself in this area as such. How do you evaluate me in that same area? And are we on the same wavelength? You know, in basketball, it's an easy one. If we're just going to talk about on the court skills, sure. uh, because every coach in the world, if there's any coaches listening, you, you've all had a player that thinks they're a great three-point shooter, but in all reality, they're not a very good three. Numbers say differently. <laughs> they, they say very differently. And the funny part is uh, this has nothing to do with the player's ability to shoot the ball. It's simply they're unaware of the fact that they're not near as good at that skill as they believe that they are. 
And this is where a coach that's worth their salt and truly cares about you would be able to say, you know, oddly, you're not quite the three-point shooter that you believe you are. Now, I'm willing to help you get there. Uh, I'll coach you. I'll work on your shooting mechanics. I'll give you some drills to do. But at present, uh, you're chasing fool's gold because you think you're a great shooter. And I'm here to tell you that you're not. And we could apply that to any area of life. You know, one of the big ones is, you know, if you ask most people if they think they're good listeners, most people believe they're good listeners. But then if you ask their loved ones and their colleagues and their children, you know, hey, is so-and-so a good listener? And they all say, oh, gosh, no, he's awful. That just means that person is lacking some self-awareness, that they have a weakness, they have an opportunity for growth, and they're unaware of it. So to me, uh, I'm always trying to recalibrate with my inner circle and make sure that the way I view myself is the way that they see me as well. And anytime there's a discrepancy, if I think I'm better at something than everyone else thinks I am, then I really need to take a hard look at that, that trait or that skill and certainly work to improve it. Awesome, awesome. I promise I wanted to touch on the, my other point of interest. Um, so for me, again, it was passion, right? So I talked about passion and, and as a favorite one for me because that's very much uh, something that I think is needed, not only how, for ourselves, but how we impact other people because people connect with that passion that we have and we demonstrate. Uh, what if you can sort of touch on that and, and sort of what, from your perspective, uh, you know, how you see what is in terms of the importance of passion? Well, on both sides of the passion coin, I think passion and being able to, to follow your passion is a key to happiness and fulfillment um, and just living a more joyful life. Uh, I also believe that when you are a passionate person, you become incredibly attractive to others. You know, you're like a magnet. People want to be around people uh, that are passionate. Uh, the best advice I ever got, uh, thankfully I got when I was really, really young, which is find the things in life that you're very passionate about, find the things in life that you're naturally pretty good at, and then find where those two things intersect. So, you know, find what you love, which is another word for passion, find where you're pretty talented naturally, and then find where those two things intersect. And for me, uh, that intersection started with the game of basketball. Uh, I really loved the sport and I was pretty good at it, you know, good enough at the younger ages. Uh, as I got older and I wasn't good enough to pursue that, that passion as a player, then I started to develop a passion for coaching and for teaching and for training and connecting with other human beings. So basketball was still the passion, but now it took another form uh, with coaching and that's where that intersected. Fast forward almost 20 years and I started to not have the passion for the coaching and training, but started to have more of a passion for keynote speaking and writing and, and that type of thing. So now I still had the same, uh, same skill sets, but now I had to change my passion. And now what I'm doing now, I, I love more than anything in the world from a professional vocation standpoint. So that point of intersection is going to change over time as you develop new passions, as older passions start to, to dim a little bit, and as you uncover and develop new skills and talents. So uh, that point of intersection most likely will not be the same for the 90 years that you're on the planet, but the formula should never change. And that's combining what you love with what you're pretty good at. And it's still okay to pursue things that you love that you're not very good at. There's nothing wrong with that, but I don't know that that's the best area for you to make your livelihood. Uh, those, those can be hobbies. You know, as I mentioned, uh, I don't play golf. I'm not very good at golf, but I like going over to Top Golf with my children and whacking away at it a little bit, you know, because that's fun to me. 
but I'm not very good at it. And that's okay. So it's, this is not to say that you have to love something and have to be good at it to, to invest your time in it. But I think we are happiest and most fulfilled when we are in that strength zone, when we feel like we're utilizing our gifts and we feel like we're pursuing something that we absolutely love. And, and I think that's been a major key um, to, to my life. I mean, I, I'm as happy and as fulfilled as I've ever been in my entire life. And I think that's because I've been able to stay in that strength zone. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that even with, I think back to myself when I was looking at, uh, it was at a point in my life where I'm like, okay, so what is it I want to do? And I didn't really have that clear picture as to I want to be this. I always, I, look, I, I thought the people that could do that, like, man, I don't know how you do that because I couldn't. But what I did know is that there are things that I like. So hang around the things that you like and as long as you possibly can and somewhere along, the, along that way, it'll naturally figure itself out. And that's essentially sort of how I live my life. And I, you know, I'm still saying, I'm still trying to figure that out. But in that meantime, I'm staying close to the things that I love. Most certainly. And, and along those lines, you know, all skills can be improved and developed. Now, I don't believe that every human being has the natural talent to develop every skill to a world-class level. So uh, just because you're passionate about the game of basketball uh, does not guarantee that you'll be able to play it professionally. Like just passion is not enough. But here's the cool thing, uh, especially in today's day and age where the, the game has become global. If you are really passionate about the game of basketball, you can absolutely find a way to make your living in the game of basketball. It just most likely won't be as a player unless you have that talent. I mean, you, you could coach, you could referee, uh, you could, you know, uh, do training like I did. You could work on the business side. You you'd be in ticket sales. You could, I mean, you, you could be a mascot if you want, you, you can do anything you want. So if the passion for basketball is still there, there are so many opportunities for you to fulfill that passion. Um, and it could just look in a variety of different ways, but the key is developing the skill sets that will allow you to do that. Yeah, I, I want to stay on that as developing the skill sets because it's really important. For example, uh, we talk about a player. I mean, we know that a professional basketball player's life is it's, it's got a finite. It's, you know, this can only go so far. So when we talk about what's next, you know, oftentimes you know we'll see players get into coaching, uh, they'll get into broadcasting, all sorts of different avenues, and oftentimes still connected to the sport that they love and so it's a but they what they've done is built on their existing skill sets of a player to branch off and do other things absolutely but those players have established that i love the game so much that i don't want to leave the game i want to find another skill set to work on so i can still stay involved in the game and and they usually very quickly realize that they are indeed different skill sets you know, just because you were an elite player does not automatically mean you're going to be an elite level coach. Now, it, it gives you some nice insight. It gives you empathy and it gives you compassion. And it, I think it can give you some advantages to being a great coach, but it certainly doesn't guarantee it. Same thing with broadcasting. I mean, that, you know, I, I don't do any broadcasting, but the, the work that I do on video and on stages lets me know how hard that job is. Those guys make it look so easy. They just sit there with their earpiece and their microphone uh, and, and they make it look so, but that is not an easy skill set. So it takes time to be able to develop the new skill set of doing that. But then you have some other players that I, I really believe that when they, they finish their career, uh, their passion for the game of basketball is starting to die down and they want to go into something completely different. Maybe they want to go into an 
investing or into tech or they want to go into making movies, you know, and, and thankfully in their situation, they've created the financial freedom that will allow them to take some risks and try some things. So I, I love seeing players go in either direction. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with a player hanging up their sneakers and saying, okay, the, the game of basketball has been great to me, but now I want to pursue some other things. Um, because most likely during their career, uh, just in order to be an elite level player, they had to be all in and focused on basketball to the degree that maybe they weren't able to explore some other things. And when I see players today, uh, Damian Lillard's one that comes to mind, because uh, I know he has a very strong interest in hip hop uh, and being a rapper. And, and he's, he's quite good, uh, I'll admit. Um, you know, that's a guy that says, hey, uh, I don't have to just be a basketball player. I love this game and I'm committed to being the best I could be. And I'm committed to the, the, the Trailbla Trailblazers organization to win a championship. But I also like doing some other things. And I'm passionate about hip hop and I'm passionate about this. And I want to devote some of my time to that. So uh, I look at a player like Damian Lillard and have tremendous respect for his courage uh, to pursue a variety of different passions. You know, you talk about players, you talk about game limit. I remember vividly, you know, when Shaquille O'Neal was playing, uh, you know, he was an actor, he was a rapper, he was doing all of these things. And in fact, there was actually criticism about, hey, you know what, you need to focus on this one thing. You fast forward now in terms of where he is, you know, and he's, he's, he's this mogul, if you will, he's this renaissance man that is so well-rounded. So I, there, there's great value in, in diversifying and learning more as you're doing the things that you love because they will pay dividends in the long run. Oh, for sure. But one of the parts that's interesting, and I've always loved Shaq. I, I've loved his playfulness. I loved his demeanor. Uh, I do believe he's one of the most dominant players that the game has ever seen. Um, but, you know, the rub always with the late great coach, Bryant would always say that if, if Shaq would have blocked all of that stuff out and just focus on basketball, he would have been the greatest player to ever play. And, and maybe that's true, but I don't know that that was necessarily the best path for Shaq. I think Shaq derived tremendous enjoyment out of being an actor and out of being a rapper and out of doing these other things. So uh, where, where Kobe was much more one track, I mean, Kobe didn't really start to diversify his interest until he, he retired. And then he started doing other things and he started doing them at a very high level uh, because that was the only way that he knew how to operate. Uh, but Kobe chose to have singular focus on the game of basketball for his entire career. Uh, and I don't think there's anyone that would question that Kobe got just about every ounce of his potential out on the court. Whereas Shaq, chose to diversify. He gave enough to the game of basketball to still be one of the best players of all time, but he enjoyed doing other things. And, and I don't think there's a right answer. I think both guys did what they felt was best for them and what gave them the most satisfaction. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm a huge, huge advocate of taking either route. Uh, whatever it is that you believe is in your best interest, uh, not just for success, but for your happiness and fulfillment and for passion, you know, uh, I don't think while he was playing, Kobe allowed himself to have any passions outside of the game. Whereas Shaq said, boy, I love doing these other things. And if it's the off season and I have a couple of months to make a, a cheesy movie, why don't I do it? You know, if I got a little bit of downtime and I want to record an album, why don't I do it? So I, I really have the utmost respect for both approaches and certainly for both of those guys. From a developmental standpoint, how can you argue with the end result for both? They had nothing but success, so uh, phenomenal. Alan, I, I, I've so so appreciated uh, chatting with you and talking. And before we get out of here, I want to ask you about uh, uh, just motivation in, in general. 
um, with all the, and, and, and I also should, also should point out that in your book, Raise Your Game, it wasn't just sports, uh, uh, individuals or players that you focused on or coaches, uh, certainly, you know, owners of sports team in the business world. Like you, you also diversified, if you will, uh, in terms of the different viewpoints that you garnered. And so, 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 so bearing all of that in mind and with the new individuals that you were able to connect with, from a standpoint of motivation, I want you to sort of talk about the, 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 we know how challenging it is to stay motivated. It's, it's not an easy thing, particularly on a day-by-day basis. I wonder if you sort of can talk about, uh, uh, so again, the challenges in maintaining that motivation at a high level. Well, well, one thing I want to make sure everyone knows is everyone faces difficulty staying motivated all of the time. In fact, I, I don't know that that's a battle we can win. Generally speaking, I consider myself a pretty motivated person, and that's only because I'm doing what I love and I'm doing what I'm pretty good at. I get tremendous satisfaction out of being of service to other people. You know, the the only reason that I agreed to be on your show was because I wanted to add value to you and and wanted to add value to your your listeners. That's very important to me. And if you're going to be kind enough uh, to to share what I believe on your platforms, I mean, I'm I'm incredibly honored by that. But but doing things like this motivate me because the challenge is, can I really bring my best stuff and give Audley and his listeners the best that I have? Uh, So generally speaking, I consider myself a motivated person, but I'm certainly not motivated every single day. And I'm certainly not motivated every single moment. You know, I, I, people often equate motivation with working out and, and they feel like they have to be motivated to go work out. You know, I'm a pretty physically fit person for being, you know, 45 years old. But if I only worked out on the days I felt motivated, I'd probably work out 15 times a year. Like there's only a handful of times where I'm like, most of the time, it's not the motivation that gets it done. It's the discipline. Uh, I don't want to be overdramatic or disrespectful and say that motivation is overrated. I don't know that it's quite overrated, but I think some people put too much stock in motivation when they need to put more stock in discipline. Uh, The reason that I'm very consistent with my workouts is because I flexed my discipline muscle a lot over the last, you know, 40 years of my life. And I've become disciplined to do the things that I need to do to perform at my best. And I get a lot of satisfaction out of that but I'm not always motivated to do it. Uh, I think motivating, excuse me, motivation is fleeting. It's gonna kind of go up and down. Um, and discipline is something that can be incredibly constant if you really, you work on it in practice. Uh, I also believe motivation is really the spark that can get you started, uh, but discipline is what will allow you to finish. You know, you can be really motivated and say, you know what, I wanna write a book. I wanna be an author. I wanna put something out there to the world. And I think that wonderful goal for someone to have. Um, but, but motivation is not going to write an entire book for you. Discipline will. Motivation will get you started. You write that first chapter, or that first intro, or you start thinking of some cover designs and you're highly motivated, uh, but you're not going to sustain that motivation for the time that it takes to actually write a book worth reading. But the discipline is what allow you to do that. So uh, I recommend folks uh, work on that discipline muscle as much as possible and then take advantage of the times when you're feeling very, very motivated. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, we, st- we start off with self-awareness. We jump into some passion. And, we, we, you know, we, we finish off with the importance of discipline. And, and they, they all are of importance. And I, and I, and I underscore that. They, and it really, as I talk, we talked earlier, you know, depending on where you are personally and what value you see in each individual uh, 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 piece or element will determine sort of what, you know, where you start at. So uh, thank you, Alan, for, for, for jumping in on that. 
uh, like I said before, it was, it was an absolute pleasure uh, and, and wonderful uh, to watch you work. And I've been watching you work and I've enjoyed what, you, uh, what you've been doing and, and the value that you've been adding. So um, very much appreciate, thank you. The other thing I thought was kind of cool, I, I didn't realize this until re recently, uh, that you know you're, you're Alan Stein Jr. I'm Audley Stevenson Jr. So we're we're both juniors. There we go. Were you yeah. juniors a kid, or did they get you where there was an Alan? What you go by? No, it, yeah, no. I am a junior. And the funny thing is, you know, we we they talk about dad jokes. Uh, anyone that ever meets my dad when I introduce him, he always says, "I'm the original. He's the carbon copy." Like that's that's his favorite dad joke. And and I give him the you know I give him a smile and laugh every time. But no, that's that's pretty cool. And I guess at the pace you and I are on, uh, we'll do this again in another ten. Years. <laughs> we got we got it a lot sooner because it's not going to take you 40 years to write your second book so yeah. <laughs> it'll be a lot sooner and by all means I, i'd love to come back and, and and get you on to talk about that it'll be really interesting where you take that again given you know the time and, and what new learnings come up and i think you've done a great job i mean i also should mention your podcast you've got the raise your game podcast was an extension of the book uh which i think again adds tremendous value to what you offer so i'm i can't wait to see what more you have in store alan Awesome. Well, I appreciate you so much. It was so great to reconnect. I love all the work you're doing. And, uh, and thank you so much for this opportunity to share. Great. Thank you, Alan. Um, really thank you for the in-depth conversation on self-awareness. Be sure to check out his book, Raise Your Game. Uh, it's a great read, chock full of great nuggets of knowledge and insight. And like I said, uh, he's got a podcast. It's actually an extension of the book. Uh, so both are, are definitely worth checking out. Uh, my hope is that you've taken something from today's chat around self-awareness uh, that you can use. And, and like I said before, it's, it's the first real step to any sort of real or relevant change. Now, it's important to say that having self-awareness by itself isn't going to change you that on its own, but it'll certainly point you in the direction that you need to go. Well, that's it for me and another edition of the Audacious Living Podcast. Thanks as always for checking it out, checking us out. Uh, my again, again, my appreciation goes to Alan Stein Jr. for joining us and hopping on and chatting. And until next time, be safe, be kind, show love, and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.